The advice and opinions expressed by the hosts of Autism Live and her guests are meant solely as suggestion and should not be in any way construed as child-specific advice. Any choices you make in determining your child's treatment are completely at your own discretion. Dr. Doreen Grandpichet is the doctor. Dr. Doreen is an expert in autism. Doreen Grandpichet. Dr. Grandpichet. Dr. Doreen Grandpichet. Dr. Doreen Grandpichet is a visionary in the field of autism. Now you can ask her questions on Ask Dr. Doreen. Good morning and welcome to Ask Dr. Doreen. We're doing a little switcheroo thing here. Uh, <laughs> I'm Shannon Fedrod, and as you can see, we are here with the lovely and fabulous Dr. Doreen Grampichet. You are good morning. You're watching Ask Dr. Doreen on the Autism Network. We hope that you're watching uh, for uh, little tidbits of Ask Dr. Doreen on TikTok. That is, who thought we'd be saying that someday? Uh, Just goes to show you. But uh, Dr. Doreen Grampichet is answering your questions on TikTok as well. So make sure that you tune in and follow her. Many of you have already done that, and it's super fun to see her in that format. Uh, Dr. Grampichet is going to be here with us for the next hour live, answering your questions live, which we really love. Uh, For those of you who know her, she's an amazing, true expert in the field of autism, I absolutely adore her, and I've said many times I would follow her into a burning building. Uh, so, because I would know she was going in for a good reason and had a plan. Uh, so, so that's why I would follow her into a burning building. Uh, but she's been working in this field for years. Um, it's more than forty. I, like, go f- do the math. It hurts my head. I can't. I can't even. But. Uh, working with individuals from very young babies up through senior citizens. One of the many things that I love to share about her, first of all, you know, I, I said this to you the other day, Dr. Grampichet, I quote you to all the time because one of the things that you say all the time is it has to be fair. And that's just the ground foundation of where she's coming from when, when she's talking about our, our kids on the spectrum, our teens on the spectrum, our adults on the spectrum, and the caregivers around them. It has to be fair. We have to take their voices into consideration. She's also, as you know, brilliant at looking at the whole individual, not just a diagnosis. So we absolutely adore her. Thrilled that we still have the opportunity to spend this hour with her, that she has made this commitment to spend this time with you. So you guys can be writing in right now. I see that there are already comments in the chat. I'm going to say hello to Christina and Anna and Carrie and Amanda, uh, all who have written in and said good morning and hearts. Uh, We need to turn my volume down a little bit. We're getting a little bit of feedback. Here we go. Traven, let me know if that's better. Uh, So uh, we're thrilled that you guys are here. Dr. Grampichet is going to answer questions now live. You can be writing in. We're live right now on YouTube, Twitter, on our homepage, I, I'm not sure about that today because we're doing some work on the homepage, uh, but that is autism-live.com. You should be checking in this week because stuff's going to be happening there. And we, we, we're doing a live re-edit of the website and we want to know your opinion of things. It's going to be super fun and flying by the seat of our pants. But we are also live on Facebook. I left that one out. So you can be on all those platforms and other platforms, you can write in directly and ask your question and you could just as Amanda did, send us some blue hearts or tell us where you're writing in from. I love a little geography lesson. Uh, I love it when it gets all international up in here. That's <laughs> super fun. So uh, feel free to write in those questions. Don't forget that this entire program is being recorded so you can watch it again in podcast. It is a free download wherever you get your podcast. We are the number one rated autism podcast worldwide. That's because of you, my friends, because you like, share, review. So please continue to do that. Like, share, review, right? Uh, all right, Dr. Grampichet, I went through all that. I have to start with something came uh, to my house was delivered and I'm supposed to, I still have my thing to cover my shirt for my makeup. That's how prepared I am today. Uh, <laughs> I'm wearing a schmata. Um, something came and I have this box and I'm supposed to, pardon me while I reach for it. I'm supposed to ask you about the box. Yes. Yes. So first let me say hello to everyone. <laughs> Take a breath. Get a word in edgewise. 
<laughs> Good morning, everyone. It's lovely to be here. I look forward to answering some questions for you. And Shannon, thank you so much. You always say kind words, and I don't have a chance to respond right then and there. So I want to tell you that I love you very much, and I will also follow you. Um, and I'm so glad to be able to do this show with you forever. So we love doing this, and I'm, it's it's all you that this is number one podcast because there are so many viewers enjoying your show, your guests, your comments, and I love it. It's wonderful. I love being part of it. Thank you. So now the box, the you know, um, as many of our viewers know, recently Shannon uh, separated from Card, and now Autism Live is an independent show. And uh, so as you were leaving, of course, I think you were with CARD or helping families at CARD for over 10 years, I believe. And uh, CARD wanted to send you a thank you for all of your years of helping and talking to the families and teaching all of the supervisors and behavior technicians at CARD how to be better clinicians and how to see things from the parents' perspective, which is uh, something I'm also very passionate about. So that uh, box, if you'd like to open it, is just a, a little thank you from Card. There's foam. Um, <laughs> I got foam. I got foam, everybody. Foam. Uh, and that's fun-shaped There's fun-shaped phone too. That's great. <laughs> Lots oh of foam. Oh my gosh. Oh. Let me let me say as I get ready to show this, um, I, I separated from card officially, but I will always be card through and through. Uh, look at this, you guys! That is amazing. It says uh, Card Center for Autism and Related Disorders presented to Shannon Penrod with gratitude and appreciation for more than a decade of exceptional advocacy and tireless support. That is amazing. You can't really it's see beautiful. it. Beautiful. And, and not at all enough to express everybody's gratitude, but hopefully something that you will always uh, enjoy. Well, that is stunning. And thank you and thank everybody else because, you know, you, you are the one who brought me to CARD as an employee. I have to say thank you to the shepherds because they brought me to, see, I'm going to cry. Yeah. They brought us to CARD as a family. And it was because of card that my son is where he is today. Um, so it's crazy to me as, as a mom who came crawling on my knees to card and then um, got everything that I ever wished for because of the work that you had done with people, Dr. Grambichet at card. Yeah. I got everything that my mom's heart could ever wish for. And then I got the opportunity because what I needed more than anything else as he was finishing up was to give back. And you gave me that also. You said, you said, come here and, you know, and let's do this. And I got to learn so much more and, you know, have this amazing opportunity to start Autism Live. And I just want to make sure that everybody knows that us separating Autism Live from CARD is not a reflection of anything else other than you know, we've got some things that we have to do. And, and I, you know, I felt like it was more multimedia kinds of things. And, mm -hmm. and, you know, I was, I was leaving to go do more multimedia things. I love that card said, why don't you take autism live with you? Like, yeah. how about that for a gift that this is just a cherry on a, on an iced cake that is the most incredible thing of a lifetime. So, well, Shannon, you are an amazing individual, and I want you to look at the chat right now with all the people who are writing in and also congratulating you and talking about how incredible you are. Well, and I, I hope you know that you know what you did, not just the card. And I'm really, honestly, I'll be, I'll be very honest. I'm happy that you have separated because I think you will you need to fly <laughs> and, and you need to influence many, many, many lives. And um, I'm thrilled that the show is a number one podcast because it shows that you are uh, influencing a lot of lives and that's just wonderful. Well, thank you, Dr. Grampichet, and thank you to CARD. And, um, and I want to thank, you know, as, as CARD said, you know, as, as I was leaving and they said, why don't you take Autism Live with you? 
and somebody, I don't, I don't know whether it was Julie Cornack or whether it was uh, Tony Kilgore said, uh, take, or maybe it was you, you said, take, take the, we're giving you your wings, go mm-hmm. fly, go do what yeah. you go, go do what you want to do. So thank you. Thank you so much. This is amazing. Mm, Back to work. I love yeah. you. Are you kidding me? Like we can't even, I'm going to put that right there for now. We're going to right next to the Temple Grandin cow. I love that. I love it. It's signed by Temple. Um, oh, I love that. So uh, anyway, uh, let's get back to work here because there's people who need things. I want to start, but thank you. Uh, I want to start with a question that came in in the night from a dear friend of ours. We had had a private little talk with a friend about uh, her son who is uh, engaged in some very interesting behavior. I'm going to paraphrase because it's long, uh, but I love this mom because this mom has a dream team support team that includes people that are with him in school, people that are with him at home, friends and family. And she has asked for you to weigh in as part of her dream team, right? Uh, Mm -hmm. Because you were in on this conversation in the beginning. But to catch up our viewers, this young man is going into the bathroom at school and he goes into the stall to pee. He takes off all of his clothes. Then um, ultimately pee ends up happening on the clothes, right? So she had talked with you privately about this before Dr. Grant Boucher. And we were thinking that the pee was accidentally, that he was sitting down and he put the clothes on the floor and the pee was accidentally going on the clothes. Well, mm-hmm. our sleuths have found more information and it appears that he is deliberately peeing on the clothes because when he didn't have access to that, then he started putting the clothes in the toilet. Mm-hmm. Um, so it wasn't so much about the peeing on the clothes, the clothes needed to get wet. They did a bunch more sleuthing about this. They had a breakthrough. Two weeks ago, mom said she put in a cost response, response cost. I can never remember which way that goes and says, if you, you want your iPad, you love your iPad. So if you want your iPad, you have to come home and your clothes have to be dry. Mm -hmm. And if you do, then you get your iPad. If you, if you, if your clothes have gotten wet, if you've peed on your clothes, then you don't get the iPad. Uh, They went through two weeks, no accidents. And then he stepped it up yesterday. He, <laughs> he was, you know, he was like, mm, I don't think so. So he went into the bathroom, ducked his aid, locked the door so that nobody could get in because he really wanted the reinforcement of the wet clothes. Mm-hmm. So everybody on the team was freaking out about this. Mom interviewed him last night to talk more about this. And it appears mom now thinks that it's because, because she looked at the before and the after, you know, the, the whole team mm-hmm. is watching. And uh, what happened was that when his clothes were wet, they were going to do at school, would take and put the clothes in the washer. And apparently for this young man, doing laundry is his most favorite thing in the world. (laughs) The most favorite thing in the world, which I love so much. I want him to come and visit. He could come do my laundry every week because it is my least favorite thing. But don't you love it when, when we find like, isn't that amazing? This young man loves doing laundry. And so yes. in the middle of the day, he, it's soothing to him. He's decided if I go pee on my clothes, they'll take me and I can do laundry instead of doing whatever the lesson is. Right. So um, great. So they know this now. So it, at least this is the, the, the new hypothesis, right? So what would you do with that information? What, what, what would be the next step for you if you thought that it was because he wants to do laundry? I mean, if you, you know, and I love that the, all this sleuth work took place because a it's team. a team. Absolutely. I mean, it's, this is where it's at, right, Shannon? This is what we talk about with ABA and the whole concept of really understanding the function of a behavior. That's exactly what this is because what we're talking about is not, you know, you you did everything right. Mom did everything right in regards to giving him a very high value reinforcer if things remained dry, if he didn't uh, pee on his clothes, right? And that was all right, except the value of the iPad is less than the value of doing laundry during the day. And by just finding out how, you know, exactly what it is that he accomplishes 
that's how you find out the the function the true function so he was this is what we call gaining access to a reinforcer a tangible reinforcer which is he wants to do laundry now if we are certain about that or even if it's a hypothesis and we want to test it out all of that has to happen is that he is allowed to do laundry uh, at some point during the day, whether it's at school. So in fact, you could do two things. You know, you could uh, send the change of clothes so that if his clothes get wet, he just changes and he does not get access to doing laundry at school. So that's kind of taking away the reinforcer of that behavior. So the behavior of making his clothes wet will now go down because there's no reward following it. And... Uh, giving him the possibility of doing laundry if his clothes remain dry. So what you're doing is now you're rewarding a positive adaptive behavior with a reward that is meaningful to him. And you're removing the reward uh, when he kind of communicates to you in a non-adaptive or in a challenging manner. And what we always talk about is how a lot of times the behaviors that we see with our kids is just communication, right? What he's trying to say is, I really want to go watch a laundry machine or I really get a kick out of doing laundry, whatever the reason is. Now, it could be a sensory thing, just watching the machine. It could be anything. But basically, uh, you know, that's the way that we go about fixing the situation. Okay. Um, so mom says, uh, takeaway reinforcer of removing laundry is what we have are trying now. I sent special bags to put wet clothes in to bring home fingers crossed. I have a couple of questions. So at this point, cause this is where I think as moms, we get into sticky wickets and maybe it's just me, but write in if you guys agree with me. So you put in this thing and said, you know, I, I want it to be this reinforcer that you can have the iPad if you stay dry. Now that didn't work, but we set it up there right so now he's supposed to lose his ipad for a week and that's where i fall apart because once i now know the thing i'd be like well does he really have to lose the ipad for a week can we add something in so that he can yeah. win the ipad back how do we handle that dr Graham? well i don't know that See, what he communicated to us is that he prefers doing laundry to the ipad so I don't know that you want to bring the iPad back necessarily. You just want to let him do laundry and if he's dry, right? So what before we were saying, if he's not, if his clothes are not wet, he's going to get the iPad. Yeah. Um, you can certainly maintain that. But what he's telling us is I enjoy doing laundry. Yeah. So we need to put that reinforcer. And I was just about to say uh, to Carrie here that it's great that you're taking away the reinforcer if, if he's wet. But you always have to increase reinforcers for positive behavior, which is what you're trying to accomplish here. So if he's not wet, if he doesn't wet his clothes, he needs to get laundry. He needs to be able to do laundry. And if it's not laundry at home, then he needs to be able to get a break during school and get laundry done. There, that reinforcer, which is meaningful to him, has to happen. Does okay. that make sense? It does, because that was going to be my second question, which I should first so we've got the laundry as the reinforcer so so it could be that after he does a certain amount of stuff at school he can request a break and go do laundry at school that that might yeah. be a thing is that what you're saying but he also like, that, or if he's able to wait he can do laundry as soon as he arrives home i love i love she says i'm buying more laundry detergent right after work i'm sure that there are people who and she says on the video she's like you can come home and do laundry you can do mom's laundry. You can go to grandma's house and do laundry. I just absolutely love that. Um, so so it could be even at school, but it definitely could be at home that that's his reinforcer that he can do the laundry. But here's my question. So that's great. So he wants to do the laundry. That's wonderful. And when he does the laundry, it's good for everyone. But if she says, sorry, your clothes are wet, you don't get to do laundry. It's not the end of the world for her as a mom. But mm -hmm. when we say to our kiddos, I'm going to take your iPad away for a week, yeah. we set up that contingency that, you know, if you do this, I take the mm -hmm. iPad. Now he's done it. Now she's got a week of him without the iPad. I, regardless of maybe it's not the big reinforcer, the laundry, but the iPad is something that helps him. It mm -hmm. helps her. 
it keeps anxiety down. So what I hate as a parent is when I've set up a circumstance and then we're in misery for a long period of time. So yeah. I do want the, the laundry thing, but separate from that, now she put in this deal, does she have to stick to it or can she add something else in for him to earn it back? Okay, so a couple of comments on that. So first thing and is that you're still... You know, this is something that we do as as parents is that we think we continue. You know, I love this. We have this video where um, and I know you've seen it where one of our supervisors is trying to teach uh, uh, Logan, actually, how to, that she prefers salad dressing to lollipop. But <clears throat> we're trying to teach Logan how to read her facial expression. But he like there's this assumption that he's going to always go with the lollipop because that's what he finds reinforcing now you're assuming that the ipad is still more reinforcing or a very important valuable item for him now there's multiple things that can happen here or should happen here so that it's not a negative i hate when you take away a reinforcer i think it's like and this goes back to the being fair you need to uh, give other, you have to give other opportunities to earn reinforcers just because your overall day or week needs to be uh, flat. It cannot become aversive because you've taken away an opportunity for a reinforcer. You have to uh, give another opportunity to earn a reinforcer with positive behavior, right? In this situation, it's actually flat because if he, we've not made it more aversive, we're just giving him laundry, which is what he really wants as a reinforcer. Now, I do want to mention to mom here that uh, you want to make sure you actually see or talk to a teacher and figure out exactly the steps they take at school to do laundry. Because we are assuming that we, you know, he likes doing laundry. We don't know what section of that, what particular part of that is rewarding. So it's important to watch that. It could be putting the clothes in the laundry machine. It could be using the dial on the laundry machine. It could be watching the clothes go around. It could be a variety of things. You need to make sure you observe that whole thing. And, and by the way, it doesn't necessarily mean that we're right. It could also be that he just enjoys doing laundry at school because it's an escape behavior. So it takes him out of the classroom. So you need to test all this stuff out. Like you might still allow him to do laundry at home and it still might not work because what he was really going for was getting out of school, getting out of his class. So we're just finding all that out right now. So that's on the side. The other aspect of what you're talking about, Shannon, is... It is totally fine to set up a different behavior, anything else that you would like him to do, uh, which is easy, by the way. And for that, you allow him to have the iPad. The iPad is no longer attached to this particular behavior. Doing laundry is. Doing laundry is now the new reinforcer for staying dry. Uh, the iPad can now be given for other behaviors that are positive so that you feel you always have to feel like there are enough reinforcers. Every time you increase in demand, you have to increase the reinforcers so that it's a fair environment. I love that. And she wrote in, she's not at all concerned about him not having the iPad for a week because she says he's got other things, stickers and puzzles and things. I was more concerned about a lot of times as parents, we try to hit our kids where they live and say, you know, if you don't do this, then you don't get that. But mm -hmm. then we find ourselves in a circumstance where, you know, they're not, they don't have anything to entertain them. We have to, enter it, it costs us True. is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. So, and then we we're like, why did I say that? I'd like to give it back, but it, we feel stuck. Like I have to follow through. But so I love the fact that we can set up something else for them to earn it back. Wonderful. It's such a good point, Shannon. It's a very, very valid point that you make, because really, if we are taking away something that is a tool for us, then you need to make sure that you have other ways of entertaining him, other ways of keeping him busy, other, in some cases, other ways for him to communicate, because sometimes our kids use iPads to communicate. That's a very good point. Wonderful. Uh, so Christina had written in and said, is it a good idea to collect data for my son's doc 
his endocrinologist referral is not until March. Ugh. Uh, And I just want to say for a second, you know, we're seeing this across the board with healthcare, that when people need access Mm -hmm. to healthcare, they're being told that the waiting list for things is three months, six months, whatever. I I don't know about you, Dr. Grant Bichet, but I think that people need to at least attempt to escalate that. Um, because with insurance, you have a right to health care. So yeah. uh, by making you wait a really, and it's the squeaky wheel that always gets the grease. Uh, you know, yeah, I almost every insurance company right now, you guys has a patient advocate. Sometimes they call it the ombudsman or the patient advocate. Um, you always have the right to reach out to them and say, why am I being denied access to health care? This is an inordinate amount of wait time. Because it, the pressure is on them to make sure that the providers provide. Yeah. Uh, so wait, uh, that long, that's six months to wait to, for an endocrinologist. It's crazy. It's, it's just crazy. It really, truly is crazy. I, You should push it. You should call your uh, insurance company and just say, I need, this is poor access to care. I need help and I need it faster. Um, it is difficult with endocrinology. There are not that many doctors who can help you, but I think it's extremely important to push it. And and to answer your question, yes, um, there is actually, and this mom, I know you are a card uh, family, I think, and um, or perhaps still have access to skills because there is a the, the technology that, that we built years ago for skills, uh, for CARD is called skills. And on there, there is a tracking mechanism. Um, so you have what's called the clinical timeline. And that is a line graph that shows the child's uh, ongoing rate of acquisition and ongoing rate of challenging behaviors. So in other words, how much is the child learning and how many challenging behaviors are there at any given moment? And that is what's very valuable to doctors because they can, they can see exactly other events that are occurring that might instigate increased behaviors, that type of thing. So I think it is important. It's very helpful to give data. In fact, one of the things I always try to teach supervisors to do is to actually share their data. It's one of the key elements of working together with physicians. Yeah. And and she says the input and output of fluid collecting data, uh, they think he has diabetes insipidus like his sister. Yeah. Uh, he, I don't know. For me, that sounds like something that shouldn't wait six months. Um, yeah. I mean, honestly, almost everything that we have going on with our kids shouldn't wait, right? I mean, I'm, I'm just doing across the board diagnoses for families in other states because sometimes families are waiting, you know, a year for just to get a diagnosis, which is crazy because then it's a year later in that child's life. Yeah. So, yeah, and there's, you know, there's a big shortage of services across the board. Yeah. Um, so please reach out to your insurance company, though, because sometimes if they can't, well, the problem is, is that they've said to you, well, within our network, we don't have somebody who's available for six months. So two things there, I would say, well, then let me be on the waiting list when there's a cancellation and call me. But if that's really the case, if you really don't have somebody for six months, then they should um, give you they give you access to someone who's out of network at in-network prices. And they will do that if you're the squeaky wheel. But you be nice. I always say be nice, um, but be persistent. You know what Nancy Allspa Jackson says? Be a dog on a pork chop, <laughs> and just don't let up. I always think about that because you know a dog on a pork chop, man. They're they're all business. They're not letting up. Uh, Carrie wrote back and said we will come up with some things tonight to give her her guy. I don't want to say his name. The opportunity to earn small amounts of iPad time to make it fair. Uh, thank you, Shannon and Dr. Doreen, for all your amazing advice. I will share this with his dream team as well. Can I just say to Dr. Grampuche, because I, I got to see the conversation with the dream team last night. I got invited into it so that I could bring this question to you today. And I loved just exactly what you were saying about mom needs to talk to the people at school. Well, some of the people on the dream team that were in this chat late last night were one of them was the person at school and said, so here's what happens. Here's here's what he did step this. And then we go to the washing machine. And mom was saying, did, did he get to put the clothes in the washing machine? Like she was asking all those questions. So 
I love to see when a team is working well on behalf of a kiddo and I give major kudos to that mom for making that happen. Awesome. Rock star. Paula, we talked um, earlier this week, uh, actually it was last week because it was Halloween, about systematic desensitization. Mm-hmm. Uh, she wants to know how to spell it. She's, I, I'm not sure whether it's sell or spell, but systematic, you're so close the way you spell uh, systematic desensitization. I think we can type it into the chat so that you can see. Um, yeah. But I also want to thank Paula because now on YouTube, it tells us when you guys have recently subscribed. So Paula subscribed a week ago and we want to thank you for being here. Uh, Okay. Uh, And are we, is she, or is she just asking us how to spell it or is she actually asking us to talk about what it is? uh, That's a good question. I think she's asking how to, she says, please help so I can research more for my son. Do you, and we talked about systematic desensitization last week, but do you want to briefly outline what it is and I'll spell it? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, systematic desensitization is usually used to overcome fears or phobias. That's what it's typically used for, but it can actually be used for a bunch of different things like reducing anxiety and so on when they're uh, related to a specific uh, uh, object or a thing. So phobias in general. And the way that you do it is uh, you make a list of things that evoke the uh, anxiety or, or fear evoking from, from least to most. So, you know, let's say uh, um, a dog bite is the issue and actually being in the presence of a dog would be, of a, of a scary dog would be the highest fear invoking and the lowest would perhaps be looking at a picture of a friendly looking doll, dog. And then in between you'd have multiple uh, like situations or scenarios. So the second would be maybe looking at a picture of a you know Rottweiler and the third would be maybe looking at a video of a Rottweiler and the fourth would be maybe looking at a video of a Rottweiler who's growling and fifth would be maybe in um, you know being behind a glass door where there or where there's a dog outside and so on and so forth and you get to the point where the last one is obviously the most fear evoking or the situation that the individual is actually anxious about and then what you do is now you have your hierarchy and now you separately teach the child uh, some form of relaxation. So it could be counting and breathing. It could be meditation type techniques. It could be having the child listen to music and calm themselves. But you want to make sure that it is an effective method of calming. Um, and then what you do is you pair those two. So you start with the very first and you do the relaxation technique. And, and when you are sure that the child is not afraid of level one, you move to level two and you do the same thing and level three and so on and so forth. And it'll take a while when you get to the higher levels, but the concept is that you're pairing uh, a calming, relaxing activity with a fear evoking stimulus and thereby reducing the uh, fear that is associated with it. Wonderful. I muted myself. Um, and I typed in uh, and I checked it to make sure that the spelling was correct because I'm not the best speller. Uh, and I've been practicing because I have a beautiful name here. I'm afraid I'm going to slaughter it. Suriniketh, uh has written in. I hope I've said it even close to. She says, hello, Shannon and Dr. Doreen. Thank you for all the help to many families. My concern is, can a 30-minute EEG with 10 minutes of wake time and 20 minutes of nap diagnose seizures? She goes on to say, my son is four years old, nonverbal, and did not like the EEG cap on his head, but we could manage because he had a nap. Not sure how he can take the 48-hour ambulatory EEG and how we can stop him from pulling, from I think from pulling it off. So, yeah, um, yeah. interesting. So... The first part, I honestly don't know. I can just tell you that this is something for a medical doctor to be able to tell you. And if they're telling you that 20 minutes is sufficient time for them to detect um, seizure activity, then then there you go. Um, the second part has to do with how do you actually uh, increase 
or keep a, an EEG cap or any other medical device on a child who doesn't want that medical device there. And this is one of those things where, you know, it's a, it is actually something that behavior analysts should know how to do. And we call it medical facilitation. And it has to do with teaching the child using shaping techniques to endure uh, medical procedures. Uh, putting an EEG cap on is one of those. And just like I was talking about, like it's just a shaping procedure. So the way that you do it is you kind of um, make a list, and this is called a task analysis. You make a list of all the steps, very tiny steps that are involved with him getting to the neurologist and putting the cap on and then keeping the cap on. Or if they want to give you a cap to take home where you would keep it on him for two days, then the procedure is just about keeping the cap on. It's not so much about going to the doctor's office, but it's about lengthening the duration of time he keeps the cap on. So when you want to lengthen the duration of something that is not positive, is not a positive experience, you have to do two things. You have to distract and you have to reward. So when you, they put the cap on him, you start with a very small, or when you put it on him at home, let's say, you start with a very small interval, which is has to be right before he attempts to take it off. Now that could be one minute, it could be 10 seconds, whatever it is. But the way that you deal with it is you basically, as he puts the cap on, you reward that baseline. So let's say his baseline is 10 seconds. On average, he will not touch the cap for 10 seconds before he tries to take it off. Okay, so now what you're doing is just rewarding increasing increments of keeping the cap on. So first, you can use a timer for this. So first, you'll start with rewarding him with a small reward. You don't want something huge. Uh, you know, like maybe something that also doesn't take a long time to do. So like an edible would be good, like a M&M or uh, maybe just praise if that means a lot to him or some, you know, turn on the TV for uh, 30 seconds or something that is meaningful. Maybe give him a little toy that he can play with. And, and so you reward him and then that's that. That's the session for that moment. Then later you do it for 15 seconds and then the next session you do it maybe for 20 seconds and you have to be careful because if you go too long if you if you um move the session length make it longer too fast the child might say okay this isn't worth it like i'm not going to keep this thing on for 30 seconds when they're only giving me one m m it's just the balance of the value of the reinforcer and how difficult it is for him to keep the cap on it has to have a balance right so you might, as the duration of time increases, you might want to increase the reward. Now, other things you can do also to help are keep the child active, distracted, just like yourself. Like if you're doing a procedure that you are not very happy with, it helps to be able to look at an iPad. Or a good example is <clears throat> when you go to the dentist. Nowadays, a lot of dentists have a TV screen so that you're not focused on what they're doing you're focused on whatever show you want to watch on tv and that's exactly what you're going to be doing for that 48 hour period you got to keep him very busy uh you got to you know give him things high high increase the reinforcement during that period of time and give him back-to-back -back activities now that's all you can do from a behavioral perspective sometimes uh, neurologists will also help by giving medication that will kind of make the child less likely to be irritated by the object, um, and then they're okay with it. But those are kind of the things that a behavior analyst would help you do. Hopefully that helps you. Yes, and I muted myself again. Uh, she's, she goes on to say his neurologist only recommended uh, that they do this for 30 minutes for now, and then said they will decide on whether to extend it to 48 hours after seeing the reports for 30 minutes. That's scheduled to discuss in December. Yeah, um, and that makes sense because they're trying to see if in 30 minutes they'll detect any seizures. And if they don't, then they're going to want to see a longer period of time.
There we go. Um, do we want to take just a second to talk a little bit about if you're if you're concerned about seizure activity and diet and all the many things that somebody can do? Because again, waiting if they're concerned about seizure activity in this four year old waiting till December has got to be really hard for this mom. Yeah, I mean, and here's here are the pros and cons. Um, there are many things that can cause seizures, many different things, right? And Shannon is right. Sometimes it is a reaction to something we eat. Sometimes it has to do with uh, toxins we're exposed to. Sometimes it has to do with lack of sleep, all, all kinds of things. But, and you could start doing some things that might help like changing his diet, so on. Like there are diets that specifically, the fine gold diet specifically focuses on reducing seizure activity. But I'm not sure that I would recommend that because you don't have a baseline yet. You don't know for a fact that he's actually having seizures. And if he is, we don't know what type of seizures. Are there temporal seizures? Are they grand mal? We don't know. There's Obviously, they seem to be subclinical. So in other words, they're not visible to you. But you're trying to find out for some reason, you're trying to find out if he's having seizures. So I think you don't really have much of a choice but to find that out first and then do interventions in case he is, then do interventions to reduce the seizure activity, such as the fine gold diet, many other things. But unfortunately, um, okay, so I, mom just wrote in, which is actually very telling. Um, and mom is saying, we don't know if he is having seizures or not, but sometimes he does laugh for no reason, even in the middle of the night, um, or he doesn't respond. Now, Laughing for no reason is kind of an interesting one. It could possibly be a seizure, but that's not necessarily where I go first. I'll be honest with you. My mind goes first of all to yeast and whether or not he has some sort of a fungal infection or yeast reaction. Because a lot of times when kids have high levels of yeast, or when you've just reduced their uh, yeast intake and they're having what's called yeast die-off, they will act like they're drunk and they will suddenly laugh out of for no reason at all. So I want to make sure you definitely figure out whether or not he has a yeast infection going on, which you, know, you can accurately do with a blood test. Um, Shannon, it looks like you have experience with this. Oh, yes. Yes. I mean, the dreaded yeast thing. And I, and I do want to say that yeast is one of those things that it's, everybody has a little bit of yeast in their body. It's just a matter of managing it. You don't want to completely get rid of yeast in your body. Nobody wants to do that. But you want to be able to manage it. And I, when my son, first time somebody said, maybe your child has a yeast issue, I was like, are you, are you talking about like a, a vaginal yeast infection? He doesn't have a vagina. Do you know what I mean? was like, what? I don't understand. And, and they were like, no, 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 no. It's, it's like, you know, your whole body, you can be having a yeast reaction to something. And, you know, it, it, it was a little bit going down a rabbit hole for me. And it was a tough rabbit hole to go down. We looked at it um, first dietary and then biomedically. And the thing about it was I didn't understand what yeast die off was. So we were about 12 days into uh, a, a, like a, a yeast reducing diet and I was saying to someone who had nothing to do with autism, I said, oh my gosh, my life is just terrible. My son, we were trying this intervention for yeast and my son is so much worse. And so I'm about to stop it. And, and I can remember yeah. right where I was standing outside by her car and she was like, oh gosh, she's a doula. And she was like, don't do that. If you're like 12 days into a yeast infection and you saw that he got worse, that means it is yeast because yeah. die off. Yeast, yeah. like when you make bread, you guys, and you know how it like grows and it, you're like the, the bread expands. That's what happens when you take away um, the things in the diet, the yeast will expand because it's a living thing and it tries to save itself. So you will see like a bunch of behavior triggered. But I remember the day that the yeast broke when we finally got to the point where my son was not overcome with yeast and it was, it was so eerie. Um, he, he, I remember waking up and I didn't hear anything because he was a busy customer constantly doing something. You couldn't, he couldn't be awake and us be asleep. That didn't ever happen. 
but it was so quiet in the house. And I got up and I was like, what's wrong? He was not in his bed and he was sitting at the coffee table and he was very quietly putting Legos together, building a boat. Mm -hmm. And he was just concentrated on it. There was no high pitched noises. He wasn't laughing hysterically. We used to call him the drunken elf Mm -hmm. and he was just putting the Legos together. And I woke my husband up and I said, something's wrong because my child was just sitting. That's how out of the norm it was for him to sit. And I was, I was fearful. I was like, something is really wrong. And when I called his name, he looked at me and, and I was like, what? what happened? It was very, very eerie. But of course it led to a period of time when what he learned, you know, he was learning and his charts were like this. We broke the yeast and he went like straight up. Yeah. Yeah. It was crazy how good it was. Huge. Yeah. A huge impact. I mean, I thought that was multiple uh, families, multiple children where they uh, you start treating the yeast, and there are many ways to treat the yeast. Dietary changes, one. There are medications, antifungal medications, and honestly, the difference is tremendous. It really is. It's like the child wakes up and starts learning. Now, uh, mom asked, "Are there? What is the way to find out whether or not he has yeast or tests?" First of all, your physician, your doctor could order a blood test and figure that out. But there are also home kits, like kits for stool tests, basically, that you would use. And there are, Everly Well has many of these. That's a company that has several of these sort of gut uh, metabolite tests where they look and see what is being produced in your micro, what is the microbiome in your gut? And that's really important. And I think there are other companies that do this as well. You just need to look for <clears throat> stool tests for gut, uh, for uh, yeast overgrowth. And um, that's super important because it'll help you identify a lot of different things you can do to help the child kind of feel better, not just the, uh, the seizure, possible seizure activity, but it'll actually change how his gut is functioning which is huge. And uh, we don't know with our kids because they can't tell us sometimes, but it might lead to you discovering foods that he's reacting to that you might want to change. And all of this will really help improve his life. Yeah. We talk a lot on the show about cleaning up, cleaning up a child's diet. That's right. Um, And, and everybody can do that. And everybody can do that for themselves too, to clean up their Mm -hmm. diet. Before I forget, I want to say Katie DiRamondo is watching. I love her so much. Oh, Katie, I miss you. Yes. Hi, Katie. Me too. see your name. Um, But so getting back to the cleaning up the diet, I mean, there's several different things that we can do to help ourselves and to help our kids. And Mm -hmm. when, like, like I I thought it'd be fun for just a second to talk about some of those things, Dr. Grampy Shea, because- you don't necessarily have to do all of them, but you could start somewhere, right? Like for me, I I really like to start with taking out the artificial colors and flavors. You mentioned the, the fine gold earlier, that that's a big part of the fine gold diet. There are many other things with the fine gold diet that I could never get to. But taking yeah. out artificial colors and artificial flavors, I found helped my son's behavior issues. Yeah, yeah. It, it so, just made it so he could focus more. Absolutely. And there are many things. And again, I hesitate because we don't have an actual data baseline, right? So we don't know for your particular child, what is it that is causing some of the discomfort? So this is why it's really important to find out first, because it could be a reaction to gluten, it could be a reaction to casein, to corn, to soy. It could just be that in the past he has used too many antibiotics and right now doesn't have a good healthy bacteria in his gut. It could be SIBO, which is small intestine bacterial overgrowth. It could be so many different things. And Shannon is right. Dietary change uh, and the main diets I think that affect this are whether it's Uh, food dyes and colorings or sugar. Sugar is a big, big feeder of yeast. Um, Anything with sugar could be taken out. Reducing carbohydrates will help that because obviously yeast grows more on high carbohydrates. Uh, I I see that mom has written that he is already GFCF soy and corn free, which is wonderful. Probiotic supplements, 
the problem with probiotic supplements is that there is no real supplement out there yet that is provides enough probiotics to repopulate the guts in a short period of time. So for instance, one of the probiotics that I really highly recommend is VSL3, which has something like 450 billion cells of good bacteria in each little packet. And that is like something that's used for people who have celiac, for instance. And so, but it's, it's extremely strong. And if the, the body can tolerate it, you essentially will, would be taking that for months before you've really been able to populate the gut correctly. But um, so that's why it's kind of important to also figure out what other things might be causing disease problems. We're just making assumptions right now. We're not even sure if your child does have a yeast issue. So it's sort of important to find that out before you start changing things. And the reason is that if you don't find out and you change things and your child starts reacting better, you don't know which one, what it was. And then you'll be stuck with 50 different interventions and you're scared to, to stop any of them because you don't want your child to regress. So at this point, let's make sure first of getting a status on his existing, like yeah. what's happening? Does he have yeast? Does he have SIBO? Does he have just uh, something else with his microbiome? What do we need to fix? And then you can go about fixing them. There you go. Uh, that's that's why she's the doctor. Uh, that's why she's the expert. Sarah has written in and said, we are in the process of adjusting medications to help with focus. Yeah. Zoloft was awful. And I'm hearing negative reviews on SSRIs in general. Any suggestions? I believe the next step is Prozac, but that is an SSRI as well. Okay, so I am going to be a person who says good things about SSRIs in general. Um, SSRIs are uh, selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors. They basically block uh, your reuptake of serotonin, which essentially increases serotonin, which is a neurotransmitter. So in fact, what it does is it gives the child a longer period of time to absorb the serotonin that's in between his nerves. And that therefore has a, uh, a result of increasing serotonin uptake. Now, what does serotonin do? It's not something that would necessarily improve attention. Uh, serotonin, SSRIs in general are the medication of choice for depression and anxiety. So that's what the result of taking an SSRI or why you would take an SSRI is usually to control anxiety in a child or perhaps to control um, depression, right? There are other um, types of uh, medications that are similar to SSRIs like SNRIs that control other types of uh, neurotransmitters that have different effects, like they will increase your, uh, they'll uh, help you in control your anxiety, but they will also increase your emotional reaction, let's say to various things. So there are ways that uh, psychiatrists play with these SSRIs, SNRIs, et cetera, to, to change your mood. And some of them actually even have effect on pain control, but they're not necessarily known to increase attention. So I'm not sure that going to Prozac next is going to do anything for your child's attention um, or focus, let's say, um, uh, unless uh, he is uh, distracted or he's unable to focus because of anxiety. That's the only scenario where an SSRI would actually impact focus. Otherwise, the medication, you know, focus is usually something that we talk about with like attention deficit, so ADHD issues. And I don't know if your child has been diagnosed with ADHD. If he has, you're looking at a whole different class of medications, not SSRIs, not SNRIs. Um, so that's kind of where you need to chat with your doctor about. But there, so, but there, there is help and support for focus. Um, oh, yeah. and there are, there are medicines, there are diets for focus as well. 
That's a very good point. Very good point. That's thanks for saying that, Shannon, because a lot of times focus is not you don't need to go that far and do medications like you know uh, for for attention deficit, for instance. And really, it boils down to what are the foods that he's eating. That's one where a lot of times I see kids who are unable to pay attention when they're like on a casein diet. Removing casein or the dairy, the protein in dairy tends to increase attention or focus. Um, other to things like the food dyes and colorings, that's a big one for focus. Sugar is a big one for focus. Those types of changes in the diet will have significant effects. The other thing I want to ask you is how does he sleep? Because lack of sleep has a tremendous effect on focus. And sometimes we just don't kind of connect the two. There we go. I, I know it was a big thing for me in 2011. Uh, it was actually Rob Pontel, uh, a name from the past, a blast from the past, who showed me a study. Because I was always someone who, you know, if, if something was organic, I, you know, that was fine. But I didn't go out of my way to get something that was organic. And he showed me a study where they began to link the amount of pesticides in a kiddo's body to behavior that looked similar to ADD or ADHD. Um, and, and that they could see that the amount of pesticides in the urine directly related to how much of that sort of behavior that they were seeing. And the recommendation was that there should be more studies and that we should reduce the amount of pesticides in kids' diets, especially kids that were having focus issues yeah. or, or were constantly busy um, yeah. in focus issues. And now, since then, there have been a lot more studies that have shown that this is yeah. an issue. Yeah, absolutely right, Shannon. And unfortunately, it's an issue more and more every day because the, num the number of pesticides continues to increase. That's on our food, right? Pesticides are, are we ingest them on our food, and uh, and the types of foods that are you that pesticides are on increases as well. In fact. In the U.S., uh, a very, very large percentage of our food actually has multiple pesticides on it. I was shocked one time when I read an article that said that uh, the, the term organic only means that there are less than six types of pesticides on a particular food. So that means you go and buy something organic, it might have five pesticides as opposed to a non-organic version of the same thing, which can go up to nine. So it's kind of like there's so many pesticides and toxins on our food um, that those types of things obviously are much more important. And that's why a lot of parents who have kids on the spectrum actually uh, purchase their uh, vegetables and foods from farms, which is probably the, the safest way to go. But yeah, there's a lot of things there that can cause lack of focus. One of the things that I'm going to put into the chat here, it's a link to um, Environmental Working Group, which is a website where you can get a bunch of different information. Um, but one of the things that they have, if you go on this site and put in Clean 15 and Dirty Dozen, every year they test produce to say which, which, which ones are okay to buy not organic and which ones you really want to make sure that you get that designation of organic so that you get a less um, pesticide load. Maynell says, my son is ADHD and takes meds for it, but all, I also feel he may have anxiety. Is that possible to treat also? Yes, absolutely is. The two classes of medications don't interact with each other in a negative way. So it is possible for your child to receive medication for anxiety, but there's also a lot of other ways that you can deal with anxiety. Um, we've done a few shows on anxiety. Um, I am a big believer that a lot of kids on the spectrum experience anxiety. So I think if you search for our shows, which Shannon will tell you how to do that, you'll find a lot of information about things you can do to reduce anxiety. So there's a couple of ways you can search things on our website right now, autism-live.com and get ready because it's going to be changing in the next couple of days. But right now on the very top bar, you see a little icon that says toy guide. That's last year's toy guide. And next to it, it says topics. 
if you click on the topics, it, there's a drop down menu. It says Ask Dr. Doreen. You click on that, and then you get this page where you can search topics or you can, you can search by the first letter of something. So for instance, you can put in anxiety and it will show you all the topics about anxiety. But in there, there is, we call it the anxiety show, parts one and two. Or you could just be on the homepage and don't go to the bar on the top, but there is a, a little uh, icon that is the little micro, the magnifying glass. And you can click that and just put in anxiety and it'll show you a bunch, a bunch of shows, Dr. Doreen and other shows having to do with anxiety. But also Traven just gave you uh, a, a playlist for it. So, cause Traven is good that way. I want to make sure that I, I say hi to Debbie uh, Aragon Redmond. And we also, at the beginning, we didn't get, get to say hi to Swathi and to Paula and to Jill and Michelle and all these wonderful people who were here with us. So, and Anna, thank you so much for being here. Uh, we will be back tomorrow with Bonnie Yates will be here and uh, she's going to be continuing on with the very beginning basics of special education. We're getting the 101 course and um, we'll, we'll do that tomorrow and that will be live. But Dr. Grampy-Shade, we have to thank you for your time. We just love sitting at your feet and learning. I love it. Thank you so much, Shannon. It's always a pleasure. And thank you for my beautiful, beautiful award, which is uh, invisible on camera. Uh, I like that. But uh, it's absolutely beautiful. Thank you all. We'll be back tomorrow. Until then, give your kiddos a hug from me and one for yourself as well. Bye-bye for now. Bye, everyone.